Kowalski. This is my wife. Good morning, LaGrange Church family. We're your pastoral family coming to you from Kansas City. We are the Johnstons. I'm Pastor Rusty. This is my wife, Elizabeth. Directly behind me is our oldest daughter, Eva, and our youngest daughter, uh, Rachel. We're going to take a few moments to share uh, a few things with you. Uh, we'll be talking about our individual hobbies that we like to do. And then we're going to talk about the Johnston family crest, which you see uh, seated on the table just in front of us. We're going to take a, a moment just to talk. Good morning. I was asked to speak about change this morning and it didn't take me much pondering to realize how a discussion on change could go in a lot of different directions and uh, considering all we've been through in the last year. And I've got a lot of information for you today and there's a lot of change going on everywhere and it can feel overwhelming but when we're inside this building we can count on it being a bit different at least for the hour or so we share together. It's called our sanctuary for a reason. It provides a safe harbor to gather and worship in peace, and we do need to meet and minister to one another. Yet Jesus told us there's a mission field, another call to serve, which lies beyond these walls. The writer of Hebrews tells us our faith is the anchor of our soul. We know who we are in Christ, but change is a tumultuous storm for so many people around us. We need to help one another, but also have a duty to outreach to those without the strong foundation, which we easily can take for granted. We can start by speaking about how technology changes society and how that affects what we want to accomplish as a local church. As an example, a few weeks ago, we had a family friend come into town uh, for the Keystone Alumni Banquet. And the conversation turned to the new high school built in 2008. Our guests wanted to see it, and I accompanied him and my brother, who taught English there for 35 years, on a guided tour. One room we toured was this beautiful library, except we soon discovered it was not a library after all. It had been converted to an art room. Somewhat taken back, I asked my brother, what happened to the library? And he told me, oh, about 2017, we realized books weren't being read much less checked out, so we just converted it to useful space. Now, of course, kids are still researching and reading, and sure, everything is now done online, and none of this is news to any of you, especially if you've been around school-aged children in recent years. But what hit me was the speed of the change from planners designing a big library in 2008 to it being obsolete in less than eight years. So. Should a country church like us fear such change, or should we revere it? Probably both. Information is being transferred much differently than it was just 10 years ago. Fear and loathing aside, we can choose to ignore it, or we do so only at our own peril. So Pastor Floyd told me we're the most technologically advanced church he has served, and by a wide margin. 
We've done a good job in several areas. And you may not realize it, but it's our older members who are the heaviest users of our technology. Hundreds of people will actually see this presentation live, or they're going to watch it on the live stream or on the recording stream later on throughout the week. One thing is for certain, a church is its people, and we can only be effective if we can communicate with them, and we need to be wherever they are to do that. So we may as well welcome the new technology as our partner in spreading the good news. When Gutenberg, Gutenberg invented the printing press, he immediately began cranking out Bibles for the masses. And if Martin Luther was reforming things today, you can bet he'd be using Twitter unless he was banned. Um, if we as a church plan to be relevant in the 21st century, we need to be sure we're using today's communication tools, especially the smartphone. And I'll have more on that later. So rapid change in society and culture is obvious, and we local ch churches must adapt if we wish to have an impact in people's lives. But how? And after studying the topic for a while, I had another Captain Obvious moment. Why not consult scripture and find out what God's word says about it? Find out how Christians are supposed to adapt and deal with change. So yes, I Googled it. I asked, what does the Bible have to say about change? New slide, please. And the first result was Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Well, that's a nice verse, Google, but not really what I ask. Then I read verses like these, 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And 1 Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of witnesses. Well, that's not about changing either. And then James 1, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Well, that was a wow moment for me. We aren't supposed to go where the shifting winds blow us. In most of the places the Bible talks about change, it's about creating in us a clean heart and remaining focused on the will of the Father. Really, the entire story of God's people has been the struggle to remain steadfast and persevere in the word despite the constant change around us. And this may sound pessimistic, but make no doubt about it, society and culture has always been there to demand that God's people change to conform with the trends of today or else. If you think about it, the crime supposedly committed by Jesus, the apostles, and the early Christian martyrs was more or less what the government deemed to be hate speech against society and culture. I'm ringing here. And the Old Testament is full of similar stories on how God's people were detested for standing on the promises. So we'll conclude this part with another Matthew. Verse 10. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The Global Methodist Church will be anchored in a historical understanding of Christianity. Western culture increasingly demands us Christians abandon the written word 
and to make the gospel of Jesus Christ conform to what they insist is the new normal for our inclusive society. It's been a slow roll, but the United Methodist Church has agreed to make just such a compromise with the secular world. So to understand the changes which await us as a global Methodist Church, we need to not forget why we just went through the great pain of separating from the United Methodist Church. Over the past several decades, the United Methodist Church has decided they don't want to be hated by a culture which increasingly rejects God's moral law, and so they're ignoring it and rewriting it. And without a moral code that gets broken, they no longer need a real redeemer. We've rejected that thinking, so we're going to move on. So it's finally official. We're a new church, a new corporation, and it's all effective July 1. It's been a long path over the past couple of years to get here. We felt lonely at times, uncertain, and unsure about actually joining those churches in Texas who had the temerity to break away from the UMC and start a new Methodist church. But God had a plan. And here we are with bells and whistles on. So now let's look at our own big change, joining the global Methodist church. By the end of 2023, the newest projections are that there will be 7,000 disaffiliations. That's over 20% of all United Methodist churches, and that's an amazing figure considering all the expense, disinformation, and hoop jumping built into the process of separating. Most of those will be global Methodist churches. As Sue said, East Ohio had a shocking 237 churches disaffiliate. That's a third of the conference. Nobody was expecting that. That's over, well over 400 now totally for all of Ohio. So we're not alone. We have joined an explosive move of God. So how does being Global Methodist change the way we actually do things? The Global Methodist Church is designed to keep what we like about, what we love about being Methodist and to prevent a repeat of those things which led to the downfall of the United Methodist Church. The GMC won't be perfect and there will be growing pains. So here are the changes as I see them. Elimination of the bureaucracy. The UMC fits the definition of a bloated bureaucracy which exists primarily to perpetuate itself. We sent them $1,500 per month in apportionments. That is $1,500 each and every month used to fund all of their staff positions and far-flung ministries. That goes away today. The GMC apportionments will be initially around 300 a month and by charter will always be less than half of what we were paying. There's no old-fashioned top-down power structure to fund or fuel. Fewer staff people also means fewer people there to help us, so there is a downside. The Global Methodist Church simply has a completely different approach to church management. We won't be told what to do. We are more or less on our own for several new things, but from what I see, it will, it will be very few new things. The GMC already helped us find our new pastor, and that's the number one need we'll ever have from a denomination. They'll uphold our Methodist doctrine and be there when we reach out, and there really aren't a lot of examples of new things we need to do ourselves. One of them will be the payroll service, and we're managing that right now, and we're doing just fine with it. It's important to understand that the Global Methodist Church still expects us to invest in outreach. 
But instead of us chunking that money off to the wasteful United Methodist bureaucracy, they expect us to use that money in our own community for local outreach. To me, it's exciting to think what could be done if we actually put, say, $1,000 a month into programs which go beyond these walls to serve people right here in LaGrange or Wellington or Spencer. That isn't budgeted or anything, so don't panic, but, but what if? In fact, the emphasis on outreach and evangelism is the biggest difference our local GMC congregations can expect to see. Our new pastor, Rusty Johnson, has lots of beyond-these-walls experience, and he has plenty of ideas on what we can do better to reach out in ways we've never even considered before. There are structural differences in how the GMC will be organized. We will no longer have a district superintendent, and we will receive our support from a working minister who will also interact with us as an elder. So that alone is quite a change. And again, most of what we do is simply going to be up to us. We now completely own our building with no strings attached. Can I get an amen? I always wanted to say that. We can make changes and decisions on our property as we see fit, and that is a true blessing. We can also leave the GMC if it doesn't work out for us because there is no trust clause prohibiting us from pursuing our own interests. And we'll, and we'll see a new change in the pulpit July 2. The Rusty Johnson family has prepared an introduction video for us all just to say hello. Good morning, LaGrange Church family. We're your pastoral family coming to you from Kansas City. We are the Johnstons. I'm Pastor Rusty. This is my wife, Elizabeth. Directly behind me is our oldest daughter, Eva and our youngest daughter, uh, Rachel. We're going to take a few moments just to share uh, a few things with you. Uh, we'll be talking about our individual hobbies that we like to do, and then we're going to talk about the Johnston family crest, which you see uh, seated on the table just in front of us. We're going to take a, a moment just to talk about one of the different elements that's on the family crest, uh, and what does it mean? So uh, at this point, I'd just like to let Elizabeth take over and she'll tell you about herself. Good morning, church family. I'm Elizabeth, and a few of my favorite things are gardening, history, missions, and uh, traveling. Hi, my name's Eva. My favorite things are probably be reading, listening to music, um, watching the corners of plays, and my She's Shades of Blue. Hi, I'm Rachel. I was born and raised in Ohio. I am 12 years old. I love nature and I love going hunting with my dad and fishing. And I like swimming. Well, my name is again, uh, Pastor Rusty. A uh, few fun things about me. Um, first and foremost, uh, is missions work. Uh, actually, Elizabeth and I had met uh, well over 24 years ago on the mission field. Uh, and that's a big part of who we are and what drives us and uh, is to do missions work, either you know here in the United States or overseas. Um, I love the hunt. I love the fish. So I like being in the 
oh, on the water or in the woods. But uh, there, I don't know if there has been or might have been some rumblings around the church. I'm not sure. But uh, but the secret is this: the big dark secret about Pastor Rusty is that he is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Um, so hopefully we can have some fun with that uh, over the, the next few months as we enter into the football season this fall. And uh, we'll continue to, to love each other uh, regardless of what happens on the field. Amen? Yeah. All right. So now we're going to take a few moments just to talk about our family crust, the Johnson family crust. And, uh, and Eva will start us out. A helmet agent, which indicates the ancestry received the honor of knighthood. On the family crest is a shield with a sable. St. Andrew's cross on white. The St. Andrew's cross is an emblem of the Christian faith. Three cushions on a Giles field are the marks of dignity and authority. Now directly on top of the family crest is a banner. And in the banner is the Johnston family motto, which says this, non quam non pratis, which means never unprepared, indicating the readiness of the Johnston to go. So beloved, here, here's why this seems to be very appropriate. As we are preparing to come to you, we are closing up our home, boxing up all of our items uh, in this preparation this season, as well as you uh, in Ohio are preparing the parsonage, preparing the administrative end of things that need be done for a pastor's family to come, to be with you. So we're all in this readiness, preparedness stage of our lives right now, us and you. So at this time, we would just like to say thank you uh, to the LaGrange Church family for all you've done, all you're doing. We have felt your love, your care, and your tenderness towards me and towards uh, my family. And we would just like to say thank you for all your hard work. Because I know a lot of times these things go unnoticed or maybe unthanked. But we have noticed it as a church family. And we just want to say thank you, and God bless you for all you've done. And we're looking so forward to getting to meet you in the next few weeks. That being said, I also just want to make sure that we're clear that Elizabeth and the girls won't be able to join me right away. Uh, they will come and be with us uh, in mid-July sometime. They have some commitments that they have to complete before they can come and be with us. But we are all looking forward to getting to see you and meet you and, and, and love on you as you've loved on us. So bless you and, and thank you again for all you've done and all you're continuing to do over these next few weeks. Bless you, folks. Bye. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. See you soon. We've only just begun discussion on what our new outreach will look like. Our new pastor will have much input into this. So we can't get too far out ahead of ourselves on specific plans, but we want to follow God's lead on what he wants LaGrange Global Methodist to be. There we are. What we ultimately accomplish will be up to all of us. 
But here are some of the priorities we floated around on which I think most everyone can agree. I'm going to go through these quickly. A top priority for us is going to be to better serve our young families. We need to be there for the moms and dads who want their children brought up in a church family. And that's as simple and as succinct as I think we can make this whole push to a youth movement go. If we serve the family, everybody will be there with us and for us. We want to better involve our circle of influence. I have no better way to describe these people other than those who showed up in support of our spaghetti dinner fundraiser. We have hundreds of people on the fringe of this ministry, and many are just waiting for their particular reason to serve. And finally, the drive-bys. I live on the north side of town, not far from the parsonage, and I am still somewhat amazed at the sheer volume of traffic that goes by my house and my wife and my wife and I wonder, where the heck is everybody going? I tried to get an exact traffic count from the mayor, then I talked to the village administrator, and they said, yeah, it's, it's a lot. They didn't know the number. I believe it to be around 15,000 cars passing through the square daily, passing right by our facility. Talk about an opportunity for outreach. It's all around us. Our messages just need to be seen. Somebody was coming. Many of you know we have made the investment in a great new video sign for our front lot. This will be our primary advertising tool. The zoning we were able to get only lets us change the image eight times a day, and that should be fine because we don't want to make the neighbors mad. But it's going to be a powerful way to reach all sorts of people regarding our events and our fellowship and our outreach. Trustees are also working on new graphics for our buildings, and I'm very happy to say it looks like that will get done this year too, even though it wasn't budgeted. The sign is not the only tool we're putting in place. We still rely heavily in the office on printed reports, the copy machine, sign-up boards, similar old-school ways to do our regular business, and that's okay if people are here, but usually we aren't here. We need to be more effective beyond these walls, even in communicating to one another. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that normal? We talked about the, the smartphone earlier. Love it or hate it, there is no other practical way to reach people under the age of 50 or so. And that number is probably higher than I imagine. We need to meet them where they are, and we must give them a way and a reason to engage with us. We are modernizing our back-end business management system with an online company called ChurchTrack. We already are using them for our membership database, our emailing and texting, our scheduling, and our calendar. We hope to move our financial and accounting functions there in the near future as well. But Carol Gladys, I gave her a login and she jumped all over it and she's already got all the giving reports up. So she's been amazing with it. Uh, most of you won't be seeing this part of, the biz part of this program unless you're scheduling people or running committees or inputting data. What you will see, and hopefully use every day, you can't see that too well, is our new phone app tied to the back-end system. It's called Church Connect. This is an actual screenshot from the website version of it, and this is going to be our information gateway for the church body. 
With the app, we can do things such as register and check in for events. Vacation Bible School is an example up there, although we didn't really use it this time. Uh, submit prayer requests, concerns, view the entire calendar of events, join our video streams, buy some of our new spiffy merchandise, which we're all going to need new t-shirts, right? I, I haven't built that store yet, but I'll be doing that soon. Um, and even make donations. We're actually enabled up and running for online donations. So that was a very big deal and we got there. Um, the app's going to be useful for everyone and will be especially useful for staying in touch with people we don't see every week. A lot of church happens on days other than Sunday. The app takes just a minute to install using the QR code and we will have instructions printed out, so please try to use those, or if not, find me, I'll get it on your phone. You don't have to use the app. If, if it's intimidating or something, you know, it's, it's just not something you have to do, obviously. But we're trying to expand beyond our, beyond our walls. Um, so let's summarize. We made the move to Global Methodist Church not to change with the times, but to stand on the rock of our foundation as a Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-led congregation. I believe God will bless us for standing on his promises. Society is in upheaval, and it's harder each and every day for those around us to hold fast to the Christian principles this nation was founded upon. We are needed. In case you missed that, our communities and families need us to thrive and remain vital. God and the GMC charge us to reach out locally to help everyone we can. We do a good job now, and we will plan to do more. We've put some new tools in place to help us accomplish the task. We can be an island in the stream to more people than we know. Who really knows what God has in mind for this crossroad community church we call LaGrange? It's up to us to reach out and to find out. So let's have a closing prayer. Father, societies come and go, and cultures rise and fall. You've made us your community church in LaGrange for many generations. We can only be successful if the things we do are in your perfect will and done with your design in mind. Keep us centered and on the right path. We pray this today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.